High end over end variety. And Amani from his 45. He's got a lane. And he's got speed. Look out. Beep, beep. The Ducks are in the end zone. Touchdown. This is the Duck Pod from the Register Guard Newsroom. Gordon head to head for sure. Mitchell goes in motion. They hand it off. Oregon sports beat writers Ryan Thorburn and Steve Mims. All right, welcome back. Ryan Thorburn and ready for number six Oregon at Arizona State. Final road game of the season for the Ducks. So far, they've been really good on the road. Uh, unless you count that Auburn ending as a road game uh, those last nine seconds. But other than that, they've really turned it around on the road. Obviously, a lot at stake. Uh, how do you see this matchup going? I know uh, John Wilner from the Bay Area News Group <laughs> is picking Arizona State. This is one of those weekends where no one's talking about any upsets where those things tend to happen. I don't see it, but it is Arizona State does have some ingredients to uh, put together a good game. Yeah, I was looking at John's, and I agree with some of his premises. One, that basically, you know, this isn't the best team in the Pac-12 since the Pac-12 started and, you know, isn't going to be the first one to get to 9-0, and but it might just be the, the team that came along at the year when there wasn't a whole lot of other, you know, things have worked out well for them that they don't have Utah on the schedule and no other team was really a top 25 team, although USC snuck in there. So it doesn't have to be the best team of the past 10 years to get there as long as the, you know, 10 of the other teams aren't as good as maybe some of those deeper years. But, yeah, I mean, I, I just have a hard time the – ASU's offensive line is so young um, and inexperienced, and I think Oregon just gets a lot of pressure. I like Jaden Daniels. I, I think his receivers are really good. I think, you know, Benjamin's really good. I think a lot of the guys around him, if they had a line, you know, just any kind of sophomores, juniors, anything you could believe in, I'd think they could kind of kind of keep up in a in a shootout with them. But I, I just don't see them being able to score a whole lot on Oregon. Then I think the Ducks will find a way to, to get their usual 35, 37 type points. Yeah, I I tend to think that Oregon has a senior quarterback. They have a freshman quarterback. I think Arizona State has a bright future. Um, I know Herm, Ed- Herm Edwards has been criticized that higher, and he had people you know, in his corner after a great start, and now they've lost four in a row. But I think they're playing so many freshmen that he's kind of building for the future. Certainly this would be a statement win about that future, but – you know, I think Arizona State is a team of the future, and Justin Herbert and the Ducks are the team of 2019 and the Pac-12, them and Utah, of course. Yeah, this would be a big one for him because they still need one to get to a bowl game. Obviously, they went to a bowl game last year. You don't want to come in in year one and go, and then year two fade back. And this is a team that was in the top 25 after beating Michigan State this year on the road, and it kind of looked like, wow, Herm's got this thing really going in year two, and then they faded off. You know, I mean, lost to Oregon State last week, and I mean, if he can come out and get a top six win at home, suddenly the crowd's into it. They're back home next week to place Arizona, so odds are they get to that bowl game. They'll beat Arizona home next week, but if you can finish your regular season at home in front of your fans and beat a top-ranked team, followed by your rival to get in at 7-5, and five, suddenly I think this whole season looks a lot different than maybe it does now for them. This could be like the USC game in a sense, not necessarily that Oregon's going to blow them out, but Oregon has so many guys from L.A. that wanted to show out against the Trojans, you know, Thibodeau and Mikel Wright and all these guys. And you kind of wrote about how a lot of Oregon's defensive players know Jaden Daniels really mm-hmm. well, and he's really, you know, that was a great recruit for Herm Edwards to get and build around this dynamic quarterback. 
I think it could be that sense. Like these guys played seven on seven together. They're going to be out there talking. Yeah. Uh, I know Ken Woody's not going to like that, but they're going to be <laughs> they're going to be talking, and it's going to be like uh, you know a reunion for these guys, and and they both want to win both sides. Especially when it's basically guys who are going to be in the head to head matchups against them, and these are the cornerbacks that he'll be throwing against, and you know Graham and Lenore and Macau Wright all either played with or against him. So I think you're right. Uh, I think that you. You know that head to head, and Daniels knows them a little bit too. I'm sure if he can, you know, get get something deep on one of those guys, and they've got really good receivers. I mean, you know, Brandon Ayuk and uh, Darby and uh, Williams has been around there forever. They've got as good, maybe outside USC, as good a receiving group as they've got. And like I say, and I think Daniels can get it to him, and he can run a little bit. There's the pot. I mean, if they can get some protection for him, I do think that they could turn this thing into a shootout and get into the 30s. I just think their line's so decimated right now that I think a guy like Thibodeau gets in there early, and I think that thing just kind of craters and. and Oregon kind of you know gets really good field position from there. Yeah, Thibodeau, he's a guy. If you want to go to DuckSports.com, that I'm I'm writing about uh, here for Friday's print edition. Here's a guy who was a five-star recruit, the number one ranked prospect in last year's class by ESPN. Was kind of quiet early in the season. Gus Cumberlander obviously was the starter, and then was lost against Cal. Season-ending knee injury. But the last few games, Thibodeau's been on fire and. Um, I believe over the last couple of games, he has like four and a half tackles for mm-hmm. loss, three sacks. I think he's up to five and a half sacks for the season, which is, you know, among the best among freshmen uh, and top five in the Pac-12. You mentioned the offensive line. I just think Oregon's going to be able to pressure Daniels and he's going to have to do some amazing things to win this game. Yeah, and we've looked at what is it, like 19 different guys have a tackle for loss for Oregon this year. So that's the thing is it's not like you can kind of focus on, you know, Thibodeau over here or something. I mean, they've been coming at it from all angles, including up the middle. We've seen some, you know, blitzes with some of the guys in the backfield. So I, I just don't think that, you know, the the way Herm's offensive line is set up right now, that again, just that's to me the huge matchup of this game and the fact that Oregon's can be overpowering with their defensive line. And if they get in and start getting hits on Daniels, I think he has a hard time kind of staying in there. And, uh, you know, if they can get him kind of run, he can run. Run, but if you can kind of force him to run a little bit more, um, and he can throw off that a little bit too. But I, I just think, barring some big plays, I just think it's to be hard for them to put together kind of some long, sustained drives. Yeah, and I think for Oregon to lose, they would have to be kind of peeking ahead or just feeling themselves a little bit. I don't get that sense being around the team. Uh, you know, we gave Jim Levitt a lot of coverage because he was, you know, so successful as a head coach originally and then in the NFL and then at Colorado and he was so quirky and his press mm-hmm. conferences were like 60 seconds <laughs> long and, and the Pepsi and all that. But Andy Avalos is, I think going to be a Broyles award uh, finalist and he's done a great job and, and he does talk to the media every day for every week for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, but he doesn't say anything. He is dialed in and, uh, uh, I'm impressed by him, not only what his defense is doing, but just by his demeanor. Yeah, I think the focus of this team comes from the fact that you know you can make the case that what six of their best ten players are seniors. I mean, when you go with Herbert on your probably your best offensive player and Dye's your best defensive player, and your four guys on the line are all seniors. And I just think that that's kind of what keeps this team focused is those are guys who've been there through the bad, been there through the good, and now it's. You know, I think it would have been a better chance to kind of lose focus, maybe if they lost that Washington State game back then. But now they're looking at basically two games are going to be two touchdown favorites in them both. You win both those, you get the matchup you really wanted, you know, that most likely Utah. But you should get the matchup you want that potentially moves you into the real matchup you want the college football playoffs. So I'd be stunned if there was any sort of a overlooking or, you know, especially on the road. We've seen this team's had focus on the road. I just think that they've avoided that because of this is a team that isn't led by a bunch of freshmen or sophomores who've come in and been told how good they are. It's 
by a bunch of seniors who have been around and seen how bad they've been and how good they can be as well. If I'm an Oregon fan, I think I have two main concerns. One is Herbert's still been getting sacked quite a bit, pressured quite a bit. Uh, despite the experience on the offensive line, despite Panay Sewell being an Outland Trophy finalist, so that's one concern of mine is Herbert, you know, getting hit. The other is the place kicking with yeah. Camden Lewis, uh, you know, going from hero to missing 20-yard field goal like he did against Auburn uh, this past week against Arizona. So those are my two concerns. I don't know that those will necessarily be two concerns that show up this week, though. Yeah, if you're Oregon with Lewis, you're hoping you got two more weeks to kind of build his confidence back up in practice and, you know, maybe send him out there if you're up 35-3 to three or something and kind of get him a couple looks these next couple weeks because you're right. I mean, Arizona State and Oregon State shouldn't be games where you're going to need the kicker, but you are against Utah. I mean, that's games – it's hard right now to see Utah-Oregon being more than about 40 over-under, and that thing could be, you know, 2019. I don't think there's any doubt they're going to need Lewis by then, and they're going to need him to be ready to go. It's been kind of a Russian roulette thing with him so far this year. You know, I mean, he could – you know, right now he's still one of the heroes of this season. They don't beat Washington State without him. This, you know, whole national title drive is still alive because of Camden Lewis. And I know they're trying to kind of probably preach that message into him and let him know, like I say, that the next couple of weeks they probably should be able to get him some pretty, uh, you know, non, you know, non-stressful moments to get some kicks and try to get him back because. Like I say, anything after that, from Utah on, whatever happens, they're going to be in games where I can promise you there's going to need to be some kicks made. Two other kind of or one other mild concern maybe is the attrition at the skill positions uh micah Pittman is now out for six weeks with a broken arm obviously they've lost uh breland before that who was really having a great season at tight end uh, but i think with Jawan johnson emerging as a stud number one receiver johnny johnson having a great bounce back year jalen red also doing a lot of great things and then the emergence of Spencer Webb, I even asked Mario, you know, what happened to Brian Addison. He said he has a bright future. Get used to that name. He's going to be doing more things. So I think they're fine there as long as they don't get further injuries. And then at running back, C.J. Verdell seems to get nicked up every first half of every game. But, of course, you know, we've seen Cyrus come in and do nice things off the bench. And then last week, Travis Dye seemed to have one of his better games. Yeah, I think receivers, you look at it, it's like nine receivers have at least 12 catches on the season or something. So you take Pittman out of there, but certainly they've moved guys around. And, and Red's as good a slot receiver as you're going to see. And like you say, with Johnson and Johnson on the outside, then you're just kind of building some depth inside. And that's where we've seen an occasional Addison or Josh Delgado occasionally pop in. And you mentioned Webb. I mean, we kind of saw where Bay and Camp Moyer were originally the guys who replaced Breland, but now guys just don't provide the you know the the vertical attack that Breland gave and Webb can do that and has shown now that he can get off the ball and kind of get down and make some catches on the sideline or over the middle that Breland was able to so it took a little while for him to get comfortable back in that spot and you know David Davis another guy I think you know if with David Davis's speed if you just kind of put in a couple plays for him you know if you bring him in for a couple series and maybe a reverse or something like that I just think that with a guy like his speed, if you can get him in kind of a situation where you can kind of catch somebody off guard and he gets any kind of space, he can run on you. So I'm not thinking that's a guy that's going to be in there for 40 snaps, but I think you can bring him in for a couple of series and set up a couple of a couple of plays to take advantage of his breakaway speed. All right, well, let's take our first break and then uh, look around the Pac-12 at what's ahead this weekend. 
Hi there, it's Les Schwab Tires. You know, we've been helping keep folks safe on the road around here since 1952. That's why you can save up to $152 on a set of four select light truck and SUV tires during our fall tire sale. So swing by or book an appointment at LesSchwab.com. Les Schwab Tires, doing the right thing since 1952. Limited time offer while supplies last. Discount depends on tire size and type. Cannot be combined with other offers. Details at LesSchwab.com. All right, we're back on the Duck Pod. Ryan Thorburn, Steve Mims. Obviously, number six Oregon at Arizona State is a game the nation will be watching. It's on ABC at 4.30 and has those playoff implications. But uh, just looking around the Pac-12 a little bit, um, a really good development for Oregon since they housed USC on November 2nd. The Trojans bounced back with wins uh, at Arizona State, and then last week at Cal. So now they're 23 in the college football playoff rankings. That really helps Oregon and even Utah, at least Utah's loss is to a ranked team mm-hmm. now. Um, the Trojans host Chip Kelly and the Bruins. Uh, so this is maybe Clay Helton's <laughs> last game. We don't know. <laughs> Unless the Pac-12 title game is. And then Chip Kelly... Um, you know they have to win their final two to get to a bowl. What do you what do you think of this battle of Los Angeles? I think it's bizarre that we sit here and say this could be Clay Hill's last game, and it's possible he could still have a Pac-12 right. title game and a Rose Bowl to play That's in this true. year. Um, but you're right. I mean, because they have this weird schedule, they have the last week by. If they lose this, he's probably gone on Monday. If they win it though, and even if Utah wins, you know, then Utah still has to win that last one. So you're kind of telling Clay, you know. Hang on and practice with your guys because we may have to have you ready for the Pac-12 title game. And then if Utah loses, maybe then you come in and you know you may have Clay going through a week of practice with this team that's all for naught. And but again, if you know, and I mean, <laughs> it's stranger things that happen this college football season than Utah. Maybe not losing to Arizona, but losing to Colorado. You know that could be one of those. And again, people keep acting like you know it's. I mean, Oregon all year long was kind of two, three games up, and it was like, boy, this thing's over in that one. But even though Utah's so much better, we think than USC. USC's been hanging right there with them the whole time and has the head-to-head. So, yeah, I mean, this is a deal where Utah still has to finish off two games to get it. And, again, if, if, if USC wins this, they have that weird week off and they can kind of sit back and, you know, sit there and root against them. And if it ends up that they they get into the big into the Pac-12 title game and then they win that one, then suddenly they're in the Rose Bowl. And then what do you do with your coaching staff? So, on the other side, you know, Chip's kind of – you know, there was a point in the middle of the year where you thought, boy, does he get to year three? Is there some sort of pressure that comes in? And now all of a sudden he's, what, a win away from a bowl game, I think. And – they got another game. I think they've got Cal to finish up. So he's still got a chance to, to find his way into a bowl game. And suddenly year two looks better than year one and certainly better than it looked early in the season. Yeah, you could say, I want an extension like Scott Frost. <laughs> Come on. We're getting things done here. Um, I really don't know what to make of Stanford. I understand why Cal went in the tank losing Chase Garbers, their quarterback, who was off to a great start. But Stanford, I know they have a lot of injuries, but they've been really disappointing they also need to win out. They're four and six. Uh, Cal is. Let me see. Cal's here. got five wins. Yeah, I think Cal needs one wins. more. So uh, that rivalry game is this weekend. Um, what do you think of that one? Yeah, I just think Stanford. I think what happened to Stanford. I just don't think it's a very talented Stanford team this year. I mean, they've always gotten used to the running back behind them, and Cam Scarlett's a fifth-year guy who's kind of just took over the job for a year and done a nice job, but doesn't give any sort of the Bryce Love or, or McCaffrey type feel back there, and. Parkinson's one big receiver, but they haven't had kind of that Arcega white side or, you know, wide receiver to be there and gone through three quarterbacks and defensively and offensively, the lines haven't been what they've seen. I just think this is just a down year talent wise for them. And uh, you're right. I mean, Justin Wilcox, he hasn't beaten David Shaw yet. They've lost both games. 
against them, and this would be a nice one to get into the bowl game. If not, I think like I say I'm pretty sure they close up with UCLA, so they got two games where they'd be you know favored or kind of pick them type deal to get to a bowl game, which would be good for Wilcox again to kind of build on last year, get into a bowl game. You don't want to fade out after that, but and he could pick up a couple wins here to finish up and be at seven and five and have a rival win. So that'd be good for 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 Wilcox to kind of come out of a season like that. again, kind of like Herm Edwards, the season that started really good and then kind of faded and the fans started grumbling. If you can win a couple at the end, you can kind of change the narrative on the season. Yeah, Stanford only getting or is only favored by two and a half at home, which means Cal would be favored if it was in Berkeley over under, and that one's forty. So <laughs> there's, uh, I mean, I think Cal's fest. averaging eighteen a game, and I have a hard time seeing Stanford getting more than that, depending on who's a quarterback. So uh, Colorado is hosting Washington again, another Pac-12 team that's four and six that needs to win out are the Buffaloes. Uh, they're 14-point underdogs at home to Washington. I think Oregon could use a strong finish from Washington as well. That would really help them. Um, I don't see Colorado winning this game. I uh, feel – well, I don't really feel sorry for my former colleagues because it's an 8 p.m. mountain start, but we've had uh, about four of those it seems like. So I think Washington wins that game. Mel Tucker does not get to a bowl in his first season it had some nice moments they're getting some good traction in recruiting but just couldn't quite win those home games early that they needed uh if they do upset washington though they that will add some spice to that utah yeah. game because they could get to a bowl yeah and why i'm with the on washington i think washington wins out if they beat colorado and beat i mean we don't know they don't put also receiving votes in the college football playoff top 25 we don't know how close Washington is, but if USC's in, it feels like Washington's probably, you know, maybe in, in, to use an NC2A basketball term, first four out or next four out. So if they get a win on the road at Colorado and then beat Washington State to wrap it up, I do think that by the end of this year, you could see them being that then suddenly Oregon has two top 25 wins, um, you know, games that were won a month ago and suddenly become looking better, you know, later. But USC wins this week and Washington wins out. I think suddenly Oregon's got potentially two top 25 wins and then all of a sudden that, you know, talk about, you know, whether they can get in with just a win over Utah. Suddenly, if they win the Pac-12 title game, they'd have three top 25s and that would put them on a par with any of the teams right around them and, and their loss would be as good as anybody too. So the Beavers coming off a 35-34 win over Arizona State, now 5-5. Five and five. They're at Washington State, also 5-5. Five and five. Cougs getting 10.5, but I think the Beavers are going to be highly motivated in this game and with some momentum. This will be a lot more fun than the Bay Area uh, Bowl entry game. This one uh, over under at 75. <laughs> yeah, the uh, I, both, I mean, this is the winners in a bowl game, losers probably not because yeah. neither one's going to be favored to win their rivalry game the following week. So you better take care of business in this one here. And I'm with you. I, I think Washington State probably feels like they can beat Washington, so there may not be the urgency there. I think Oregon State probably knows, look, we got to win this thing here. We don't want to go into the Civil War in Eugene, you know, potentially in snow trying to get into a bowl game. So I, I think they could feel pretty good about themselves if they get this one here. And, you know, we've seen Mike Leach team. He's called them all kinds of names. You never know what kind of day they're going to show up on. So I do think they're going to have a hard time. I think both teams have a hard time stopping. I might even bet the over 75 on that one and figure that first one to 50 wins it. And the final game uh, that you touched on briefly, number seven, Utah at Arizona. I mean, Utah's going to destroy Arizona. It's just a matter of how much. I mean, Kevin Sumlin's program, speaking of struggles during year two of a, a new tenure, they are a mess right now. Um, fired their line coach on yeah, a Thursday of game week. Coach. <laughs> I don't see an upset here. I think 
Utah is uh, going to keep it rolling for the Pac-12 in this playoff talk. If you're the line coach and you're going to get fired, you want it to be the in advance of the Utah game because you know that's probably going to be your toughest game anyway. Line coach is probably pretty thrilled to be able to watch that one on the couch with a beer rather than watching his guys get pushed around. So, yeah, that one would be, uh, like I say, you can make a case, and I see Wilner's argument that ASU, you know, there's some talent there. Oregon goes down there and, you know, things go a little haywire. But it would have to – you'd have to come up with all sorts of irregularities to find a way to convince me that Arizona can beat Utah at this point. All right, well, let's take our last break and then wrap up the pod. Hi, Ryan Thorburn here, sports reporter at the Register Guard. I've covered a lot of your favorite sports memories in recent years. Marcus Mariota being presented the Heisman Trophy in New York. Oregon blowing defending national champion Florida State off the field in the Rose Bowl. Sabrina Ionescu becoming the face of women's college basketball while helping transform the Ducks from Pac-12 afterthought to national powerhouse. No other media company covers Oregon athletics with the depth and quality found at DuckSports.com. But in order for the Register Guard to continue its rich history of local journalism, we need your support. Please subscribe and support our advertisers to help us chronicle the ducks and take you behind the scenes to create more memories in the years to come. All right, Steve, let's uh, touch a little bit on the playoff. Nothing much changed. Oregon, number six. I believe the top seven teams are all the same. But the Pac-12 seems to me to be in position where they're getting the respect from the committee. And if the dominoes fall as they probably should with, um, you know, Georgia losing in the SEC championship and then uh, Alabama just not doing enough without Tua to justify their number five spot. I think the Pac-12 winner is in. But I, I've talked to a lot of other people that are worried about uh, Oklahoma or they're worried about two SEC teams, even two Big Ten teams. I just think it's going to be hard to keep a 12-1 and Pac-12 champion out. I agree, and I think it's going to be fascinating to watch the committee as we go through this because, like you mentioned, Oklahoma, Penn State's there. You know, Penn State beats Ohio State this week and then goes in and, you know, beats Minnesota. They avenge their only loss over Minnesota in the Big Ten title game they're in is Ohio State, which has been dominant in 11 of 12 games. And they say Ohio State finishes up by beating Michigan. Suddenly, you know, the, the two Big Tens that people aren't talking about. There's been a lot of talk about the two SEC, the three SEC. I think you're. I'm with you on this, but – and I think, again, I think that Washington and USC finishing strong is a big deal. I think if suddenly the Pac-12 has four teams in the top 25 instead of three as it is now or even two, if you know USC and Washington were to lose along the way, that would really hurt them. So I think it's there, but I just think it's going to be fascinating to watch this committee. I think it's going to be one this year where there's going to be six, seven teams going into that final Sunday waiting to, you know, expecting that the possibility that their name's put in the four-team bracket. Yeah, if you're if you're not necessarily an Oregon fan and just want an eight team playoff, then you want uh, LSU to go undefeated until they lose to Georgia in the SEC championship mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. You want Ohio State to go undefeated until they lose to eleven and one Minnesota in the Big Ten championship game, and you'll have two conferences in that four team. Yeah. That would be interesting uh, if you're a fan of expansion, because I think we'd have an eight team playoff next year because yeah. the Big Twelve. And the ACC and the Pac-12 would be livid. Obviously, Clemson would have to lose in that scenario, which uh, I don't see happening. But anyway, we'll we'll figure that all out as the weeks go. But I think Oregon is in great position, barring an upset. Uh, we've kind of mentioned it. We don't think that's going to happen. How do you see the game playing out? I see Oregon um, 
You know, last week they surprised me getting off to that fast start because we've been used to the slow starts. Do they get off to a fast start again? I think they certainly do, especially if Arizona State makes the mistake of deferring the (laughs) coin flip to the second half like Arizona did. Uh, two snaps into it, they're down 7-0, and that was enough for Oregon to win. Yeah, I think I could see them down off to a slow start on the road, and this thing's 7-7 after the first quarter, but then I'd see Arizona State making a couple mistakes. Like I say, Oregon maybe gets a pass rush, causes some things, starts to stretch it out by halftime, and I see this thing finishing sort of like a 38-20 way for Oregon. Yeah, I think this could be a big Troy die game. It seems like you know he's eased his way back in with that thumb. Last week he led the team in tackles. He was in a great mood this week yeah and if you try to get him to to talk about you know in a reflective way or the big picture he's really he's enjoying this all these seniors are enjoying this nine game winning streak a lot of them were a part of a seven game losing streak in 2016 but these guys want it bad I think this senior class's motivation is just as as strong as anything Utah has having lost in the Pac-12 championship last year yeah and like I say just having not just having seniors but Seniors who've been through three three coaches and are still key players on this team who didn't get run out, who didn't, you know, get kind of caught up in recruiting by some guys who were recruited by new coaches ahead of them. But your quarterback, your middle linebacker, four your offensive lineman, your starting receivers, you you got se- you got seniors all out that are still playing. Yeah, I that's my prediction for the game. A senior like Troy Dye or Drayton Carlberg or someone like that is gonna make Jaden Daniels make a freshman mistake and Oregon's going to win by a couple touchdowns which is what they're favored by I don't see them blowing them out like they did USC or uh, really struggling like they did you know in in the one loss to Auburn in a close game I I see it about where Vegas does but uh, we'll see what happens Uh, anyway make sure you check out all of Steve's work all my work at ducksports.com and stay tuned for coverage of this big game in Tempe thanks for tuning in